I'll read it. Luke chapter 11, 1 to 13. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I, I learned a new phrase the other week. I was uh, talking to a friend who lives on the Harringay Ladder and uh, they come from Yorkshire and they taught me a Yorkshire phrase. It goes like this. Shy bairns getting out. I said, pardon me? And he, he explained. In fact, does anybody know? Can anyone translate from the, the original Yorkshire for us? <laughs> yes, what, what does shy bands getting out mean? Shy children getting out. There we go, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what I learned. I know there's at least another Yorkshire person in the room who got that instantly. Shy children get nothing, right? So shy bands, shy children, they get out. Uh, they don't get anything. In other words, it's a way of like, teaching kids, you've got to be assertive sometimes. You've got to ask for stuff. If you're shy the whole time, you're getting out. And Jesus here has got a lesson for us about prayer, which he shares with us today. Shy Ben's getting out. But you don't have to be a shy Ben. Jesus is encouraging you. When you pray, say, Father, Dad, come to him in prayer with all the comf- confidence that can be yours as a Christian. That's an amazing thing. You, you don't have to be a shy Ben. You can, you can come to the living God and ask him for all sorts of things, as we'll see. Can you imagine it today? So the, it says in verse 1, Jesus was praying in a certain place. So listen. Listen. Can you almost hear Jesus saying the words of the Lord's Prayer? I feel I nearly can. Imagine. Imagine. Can, I mean, can you picture him? Let's say you know, he's with his disciples, but he's gone off to a private place, maybe the, the next room, maybe the next vineyard or something, and he, they know he's praying. Imagine. They, they, can, they can indistinctly hear him praying, maybe walking around as he prays, maybe kneeling. And then, oh, he's finished. He's finished praying. 
He's coming back. He's coming back towards his disciples. And um, oh, hey, Jesus. Hey, you've been praying. Um, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Because we know you like to pray. Amazing, isn't it? A little introduction there to our section. It struck me. This is the only time in the Gospels that someone says, Lord, teach us to pray. It didn't happen anywhere else. I mean, what if that disciple had never said, Lord, teach us to pray? Luke chapter 11, verse 1. What if they'd never plucked up their courage? Oh, hey, you've been praying. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, isn't it amazing? What a gift. What a gift they actually unlocked for the rest of the church down the ages. All Christians down the ages have known the Lord's prayer. And as a result of this person's question, Jesus goes, yeah, I'll teach you to pray. He goes like this. Father, hallowed be your name. So what a gift this, this lesson in prayer is and what a gift is unlocked for the entire church that we just get to spend a few moments dwelling on. Prayer is amazing. And uh, there's one uh, amazing quote from uh, a fifth century Christian called John Chrysostom. And I've put it there. It's on the back of your church family news if you want to follow because it's a paragraph long. You've got that at the back of your church family news. It says sermon notes. And then down the bottom, there's a paragraph by John Chrysostom. He said, prayer is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings. The potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions, extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, expanded the gates of heaven, assuaged diseases, rescued cities from destruction, and arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. Prayer is amazing, although it might seem a bit much to you to say that Prayer can arrest the progress of a thunderbolt. Maybe you've tried it. Maybe, you know, you want to say yes and amen to the lesson on prayer, but maybe you've tried prayer and it didn't seem to work. Maybe you have a creeping doubt that it's no use praying. Maybe you've been praying something for years now with no obvious answer. Look, whatever the case, and however deep that pain is, God the Son comes to earth takes on human flesh, and part of what he says to us is, pray. Pray to your Father. Pray with a shameless audacity, which is what we're going to see today. Shy Ben's getting out, so pray. And I want to take Jesus at his word whenever he says anything. So if he says pray, I want to think, okay, my my experience is mixed of prayer, but I want to pray because Jesus says to pray. It's like he's, he's been into heaven headquarters, he's seen the switchboard, and he sees how his Father answers prayers. And he's saying pray, so I want to think, Right, well, I'm going to pray. Yeah? Yeah? Okay, thank you. Yes! So let's, let's learn from him about prayer. I think you can, you can divide this into two uh, verses, 1 to 13. So let's do that, shall we? Let's uh, see today that we can pray to our Father and we can pray with a shameless audacity. To our Father with shameless audacity. So let's start with the first one. He says, pray to your Father. And I'm looking at verses 2 to 4 for this. Verse 2, he said to them, this is how he starts off answering the question. Sure, I'll teach you to pray. When you pray, say. Just pause on that, just that obvious point, just for a moment. When you pray, say. So Jesus is teaching us, it's verbal. There are communicable words. It's not just like a a Zen state of lotus position being where you're emptying yourself of everything, you know, He's saying, use words, talk to the Lord. That's what prayer is. It struck me, actually, he says, say it. 
So I think many of us might be used to just praying on our own, you know, in our head. But I think much more of a biblical norm is say it out loud. Say it to God. Of course, God isn't hard of hearing. So if, if you whisper, he can hear you. If you say it in your head, guess what? He can hear you because he's the Lord of heaven and earth. He made you. But Jesus just say, say it. And then, of course, he says, say the Lord's prayer. He gives them this prayer. Slightly different from the one we know. Do you notice that when, when we read it out? It's just, oh, hang on a minute. Uh, it's kind of familiar, but the, the, the framework is just being altered. I think what's going on here, when he, Jesus misses out phrases we might be used to, like, our Father in heaven, or um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, or deliver us from evil. You notice that it's kind of stripped back so you don't get those in Luke's gospel. I think what's going on is Jesus probably delivered it twice. So I think this might be the first version, Luke chapter 11, someone it said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he goes, okay, here you go. Here's a framework. And you get the minimalist Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter six, it's restated. And you get exactly the same core, but with some extra phrases that we're used to saying. So I, that, that's my guess of what happened. And of course, Jesus roved around preaching, teaching. So it's quite likely he did teach on prayer more than once. There's an extra bit at the end of the Lord's Prayer that we're used to saying, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever, amen. That is, um, no secrets, that was, that was made up centuries later by some Christians. I think it's, I've got no problem saying it. I think it's a fitting ending to the Lord's Prayer, but that, Jesus never said that bit, as far as we know. But I find it immensely encouraging to think that Jesus definitely wanted us to have this prayer and to pray this prayer. He, he, he said, okay, okay, you want to pray? There you go. Get used to this. We're saying, pray to your Father. So that's our first heading. But notice it splits into two halves of the Lord's Prayer. And I need a bit of help here. So if anyone can help me out. In verse 2, he says, to whose name and about whose kingdom should we pray? Anybody? Right, God's name, God's kingdom. Get that? Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So obvious, I know, but the first half of the prayer is concerned with God's concerns. So when Jesus says, hallowed be your name, hallowed means made holy. So we're praying for God's name to be seen, to be holy, just as it really is. But Lord, let that name be seen to be holy on earth, set apart from everything else. And then your kingdom come. So Lord, I really want your reign of Jesus Christ to come on earth. I want it to come into people's lives. I want Jesus to come back fully and finally. That's a very Advent prayer, very appropriate prayer in a time of war and suffering. Lord Jesus, come, come soon. Your kingdom along with your name. Okay, so first half, of the, first half of the prayer, God's concerns. Second half of the prayer, somebody help me out again. Whose daily bread and whose sins are in view? Ah, yeah. Which is amazingly encouraging, isn't it? Because you are allowed to talk about your food, your meals, your needs, your sins and your temptations. So Jesus says, yeah, bring that stuff in. Significantly, don't lead with that stuff. You know, you know, learn your father's concerns. That's about his name and his kingdom. But then he's perfectly willing. He wants to hear your ordinary, everyday concerns. When Jesus says daily bread, I don't think that means, like has to mean exclusively bread. It's not like you can only ask for a loaf. I think he's teaching us that you just pray about your day-to-day needs. Pray about your warmth, your fuel bill. Pray about your, your everyday income and the sleep that you need. He goes on to talk about forgiveness. So pray about your relationships. You know, the, the thing that feels awkward between somebody else and isn't resolved. Pray about that. 
pray primarily, of course, about your standing with God. Lord, Lord, thank you that I can be reconciled to you. And we pray as reconciled children because God offers to cancel every one of our debts against him. And then he finishes up with temptation. Pray remembering that we're not strong on our own. So every day I, I, I should get up if I'm praying the Lord's Prayer and think, I have not got this. You know, left to my own devices, I'm going to make a, a hash of today. I'm not strong enough to resist temptation. But Jesus gives me this prayer. He says, ask the Lord to lead you not into temptation. So you get that? Pray to your Father, with, but with two halves of the prayer, God's concerns and our concerns. And when Jesus says, when you pray, say this, I don't think he means, right, right, here, I'll be cross if you only ever use this, um, if you don't, don't only ever use this form of prayers. You know, you must pray according to the liturgy at all times. I, I, he didn't do that because at other times Jesus himself prays other words. In John 17, he prays a magnificent prayer you know, from his heart. So uh, if you're a liturgy lover, I don't think you have to be constrained to only the Lord's Prayer in this wording. But pray it often and pray the pattern. So pray the Lord's Prayer often because it would be weird if you were a Christian for, for any length of time and you didn't pray the Lord's Prayer. I mean, he, this is what Jesus gave us. He's got a gift. So, so use it. Just, I think we should get used to using the form of prayer together and when we're off on our own. I remember when it was um, 2020 and they taught us all to wash our hands for 20 seconds. It was a great blessing to me that, you know, I, I just prayed the Lord's Prayer every time I washed my hands uh, because it sort of takes about the right amount of time. And I kind of stopped doing that now. And I think I'm, I'm going to get back to it because I want that to be a regular part of my daily walk. If you don't love liturgy as a rule, you don't have to love all of it. But please love this one bit, the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught people. And then pray the pattern of the prayer. So, you know, we, we, we're to get used to praying God's concerns followed by our concerns. Lord, teach me what you're passionate about. Teach me about your name. Teach me about your kingdom. And then bring everything else into the prayer after that. I, I orbit around God, a bit like the planet Earth around the sun. You know, it's, it's not the other way around. Like he, he orbits around me. And um, I'm immediately going to bring all my minutiae. But we're saying, overall, we're saying, um, pray to your father. Let me, let me tell you a story which, which made me amazed at what God is offering here. I was reading about the American Civil War, and uh, there was a soldier in the American Civil War, apparently, who had a family tragedy. And as a result, he asked his commanding officer for some leave. He said, can I go home and, and be with my family for a while? And the commanding officer said, no. No, son, you can't. I mean, there's a war on. I can't, if everyone said that, then I'd, I'd lose my whole regiment, so you can't go. You, to be honest, if you, want, if you wanted me to say yes to that at this time, you'd have to apply to the president himself. So the soldier apparently went, all right then, I'll go and ask the president. So he goes, he goes to Washington DC and he goes to the White House and he seeks an audience with the president of the USA and he gets turned down on the door. You know, there's no way you're gonna, you, know, you can't see the president for anything and everything, I'm sorry. So dejected, he, apparently he goes to a nearby park and he sits down in the park on a bench. And a little boy comes by. And the little boy sees the unhappy soldier. And he says, you look unhappy. And the soldier says, well, yeah, I am actually. And he finds himself telling the little boy everything. He sort of tumbles out of him all this sadness and all his disappointments and the visit that he thought would work, but it didn't. And after listening to this for a while, the boy goes, come with me. And the soldier says, all right then. 
And the little boy, who is the boy in the picture on your service sheet, he's the, he's the boy that pictured there leaning on the table. He walks to the White House. And he walks around the back of the White House. And the guards let them through. And the boy with the soldier in tow walks into the back door of the White House. And the soldier thinks, this is weird. Uh, this is very strange indeed. But the soldiers, they're not just letting us through. They're actually you know, sort of standing to attention as this kid walks me in. And they walk through the corridors of the White House and they get to a door and the boy knocks and then walks straight in. Abraham Lincoln apparently was standing there talking to the Secretary of State about war matters, I guess. But he breaks off from his conversation and he says, what can I do for you, Tad? Turns out the boy was Tad Lincoln, Thomas Lincoln, Tad to his dad. And uh, he was beloved of his father. He was, he was doted upon by Abraham Lincoln. And uh, Tad Lincoln says, Tad, uh, this soldier needs to talk to you. Huh. You know, the Jews in the Old Testament, they prayed, but they never said Dad. They never said Father. You read the Old Testament, it says Lord, it says Lord God Almighty. It might say Lord, um, Lord Savoyoth, I mean, Lord of angel armies, um, high and mighty, Lord, creator God. But they didn't say Father because they thought it would be irreverent. That's too intimate. It's, it's too much. You can't say that to God. He's almighty. And yet Jesus comes and says, when you pray, say, Dad, Dad, I need to talk to you. It's an amazing thing. It's possible because of what Jesus is going to do, through his death on the cross, you can be uh, reconciled to God and you can walk into the Oval Office of the universe and say, Dad, I want to talk to you. Your own dad, I don't know, may have been a bit of a joke, like many dads on TV, Homer Simpson or similar. But God the Father isn't a joke. Your own dad, you may have been a bully, like many dads down the ages have been. Mr. Wormwood in Matilda, perhaps, or someone like him. But God the Father isn't a bully. Your own dad may have been absent, maybe in body, maybe in mind. But God the Father isn't absent. Your own dad may have been a good dad. And he's an echo of your perfect father in heaven. Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father. I would love to preach seven sermons on the Lord's Prayer. I think I can make a series out of that, but I've only got one today, so uh, I have to leave it here. There's a world of wonder compressed into these lines Jesus gives us, and I came across a beautiful old hymn that captures it. It says this, Too vile to venture near the throne, but too poor to turn away. Depending on thy help alone, Lord, teach us how to pray. <laughs> Do you get that? I'm, I'm too vile, I can't go near, and yet I'm too poor, I have to go near. I have, to, I have to walk up and say, Father, pray to your Father. And then, uh, I need to mention this second story that Jesus uh, tells. So let, let me introduce the second heading. Pray with shameless audacity, verses 5 to 8. Pray with shameless audacity. Jesus says, suppose you have a friend who asks you to, um, if they can stay with you at short notice. So imagine this, you, you get a phone call from a friend, maybe late in the evening, one night, oh, can I stay with you? I'm in London, I could do with somewhere to stay. And they're a good friend, right? So if a good friend says that, you generally say, yeah, sure, come, yeah, come over. Wasn't expecting that, but come over and I'll, I'll sort it out. And you open the fridge to figure out if you can feed them anything and what, what's in your fridge. Let's, should we say it's like one 
out of date yogurt, or you know, it, it's oh, oh, this is embarrassing. I've got nothing. You know, or you open the cupboard and oh, I've, got, I've got the very end of a loaf of bread and it's a bit mouldy. Oh, oh, come on, like I've got absolutely nothing. And so what do you do? Well. Uh, did somebody say just eat? Uh, well, they didn't actually, because it's 2,000 years ago, so nobody said that, and you can't do that. You, and they didn't have a shop that was open 24-7. So you get, what you do is what Jesus tells in the story. You go to a neighbor's house, and um, you're in this little village probably, and you bang on the door. And you say, can you open up? I've got a friend who's come round, and I, I'm sorry, but I, I really need some food. Can you let me three loaves of bread? Can you open up, please? Because my friend's here. I really need some food. And maybe you have to wait a minute, maybe two minutes, no sound. But you think, I'm like, I really need some help. Your hand's starting to hurt. It actually hurts. Can you open up, please? And eventually, you see a light go on, and you, see a, you hear a tired, croaky voice. Hello? Yeah, yeah it's me. Yeah, you see neighbor. It's Pete from down the street. Can, can you let me some food? Because my friend's... No, no, look, I've closed up. My, my children are in bed. Can you go away? Yeah, I need some help. In those days, the, it generally the families slept in one room and the animals, the livestock that were the, the family's well-being, they'd be close by, maybe in the same room, maybe in the, in the only other room. And the door would have been locked, not with a key, but probably with this big bar, this big iron bar that goes across the one door. If you move that bar, you know, it's going to be noisy. If you, move, if you open the door, it's going to let all the cold in. All the animals are going to wake up. All the children are going to be awake. And good luck getting all them to sleep and quieten down again in a hurry. And yet, Jesus says, verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Isn't that amazing? Actually, I had a version of this recently. I live, um, I live next door. And um, somebody knocked on my door in the evening. And I opened it up. I didn't recognize them. And they said, have you got a corkscrew? Because uh, <laughs> I've got this white wine. And I've just got some friends who have come over. And I live nearby. And um, I can't find the corkscrew anywhere. And I thought, this is weird. <laughs> um, and also, what is it about a vicarage that makes you think, yeah, that's the place to go for help with your... <laughs> uh, what sort of reputation? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> But I tell you, because of their shameless audacity, I was all right. And I went and got the corkscrew and I opened her bottle of wine and I gave it back to her. I said, enjoy your evening. There you go. But Jesus is making a similar point. Because of the shameless audacity, you're, probably, you're going to get a yes. Shy Ben's getting out, but the shamelessly audacious in prayer get a lot. Jesus ends his masterclass on prayer with verses 9 to 13. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Or in other words, you might say, bang on the door of heaven. Your father is kinder than humans. Look, if you're a parent here, or maybe you're an, an uncle or an auntie, a godparent or a grandparent, if a child says they're hungry, you don't go and get a rock from outside and put it on the plate with some, a knife and fork and then get, dinner's ready and you call them to sit down and as they tuck in, you go, ha <laughs> ha, tricked you. Like, you don't, that's mean, you don't do that. Or you don't, you know, if they ask for an egg, you don't give them a scorpion. A scorpion, if it's white and rolled up, it kind of looks like an egg. But you, like, that's horrible. Nobody does that to a child that they love. And Jesus says in verse 13, if you then, though you are evil, know how to good gift, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So your, your Father is, is kinder than any human. 
And you might think, look, I didn't get bread. I prayed and I asked God and he didn't actually give me what I needed. There's a pastor, John Piper, who's written a little bit about this in a book called Providence and he says on this issue, we are to trust that God really hears and that his answer is good for us, even if not exactly what we ask for when we ask for it. The answer may not be bread, yet it will be good for you. Did you get that? So you ask for bread, you don't get what you expect, but God does love you and it will be good for you. He writes a poem and he says, look, let me, let me try and give you an example. He says um, in his poem, look, imagine you're in a boat and the boat is drifting away, but you're hungry, you're really hungry, so you ask for bread and God doesn't give you bread. He gives you a really heavy stone and you think, what is this? I'm hungry, I want some bread. But the Lord knows that the stone can be an anchor for your boat stop you drifting and the Lord knows you're hungry so he'll give you bread in time the poem finishes dear child your cry does open treasuries and shake the heavens I bid you come and take these keys and all my store unlock my heart to ask and seek and knock so my friends take the keys bang on the door of heaven open the treasuries it would be so different if Jesus hadn't said Call him father, call him dad, come and knock. I read about Tad Lincoln and, you know, tragically his dad was killed. Abraham Lincoln was killed in 1865, assassinated as he watched a play in a theater. After that, Tad Lincoln said, um, I think it was 12 days after his dad was assassinated, Pa is dead. I can hardly believe that I shall never see him again. I am only Tad Lincoln now. Little Tad, like, uh, like other little boys. I'm not a president's son now. I won't have many presents anymore. And I suddenly realized, I read that, that's, that's me without Jesus. Without, without Jesus, I've got no right to ask anything. I'm not praying. I'm not audacious. But what a privilege. I can carry all my needs to him in prayer. Of course, my friends, the great news is that however bad your prayer life is, and I often feel mine is weak and sorry, it's not as full as it ought to be, however bad I feel, Jesus still prays. Hebrews 7.25, he always lives to intercede for those he is saving. Isn't that amazing news? Jesus still has the perfect prayer life. As we finish, maybe there's something you're concerned about at the moment, but you've assumed that God isn't concerned about it. I'm afraid I don't believe that. Because Jesus tells this story and he says, the Lord is concerned. He wants to hear your everyday concerns. Imagine praying to the Father and he responds, no, I'm sorry. No, the door, the door of heaven is locked. The angels and I are sleeping. Um, can you not bother me with this anymore? He definitely doesn't say that because Jesus specifically tells this story. Maybe there's something God is concerned about, but you're not. And maybe we could learn about his name and his kingdom and his values. Maybe we could use, use the Lord's prayer every day. Maybe we're not very specific in prayer. I was listening to, um, to Sunday Worship on Radio 4, which I'm very grateful for in general. But just one Sunday, I noticed oh, the prayers are very vague that particular Sunday. You, know, you, can be, you can play it safe in prayer such that you're not really asking for anything much at all. You know, it was something like, uh, oh Lord, we pray for all people that they may be inspired and helped. It was something like that. And I thought, I would like to be more specific in prayer. Jesus said, ask for bread, ask for a fish and see what your, Lord, what your Father will do. 
So I'm, I'm trying to be more specific in prayer. I had a wonderful answer to prayer this week. I was, um, you know, we had all those flyers at the back and we wanted um, 4,000 flyers, 12,000 people. I, I was honestly a bit downhearted. Not many of them had gone last week. And, but I prayed and I thought, well, Lord, you could do this. And uh, loads of them have gone. I mean, I think we've invited 95% of the people in this parish as far as I could tell. And um, there's only a, a few left. So, and mate, it's just lovely to see specific... Like, it's just too much, Lord. Tw- I can't invite 12,000 people. It's going to have to be you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You've done it. Wonderful. Maybe you just struggle to get down to prayer. Look, I'm like that. I know I'm supposed to be a pastor who's good at praying, but I struggle to get down to it. I love to take every opportunity I can to pray with others. And, of course, that's one of the reasons we have a monthly prayer meeting here, just so that we can say, I have prayed for an hour this month. I did. Because that was the prayer meeting and I did it with my brothers and sisters. So maybe you could um, take advantage of that all over again. And maybe you're not very honest in prayer. Perhaps, you know, you pray things you're expected to pray, but not the things you're actually thinking. But the person in the story said, look, it's midnight and I need three loaves, so can you help me? And your father is very willing to hear that sort of prayer. Because shy Ben's getting out. Our time is gone. Shall we, shall we pray together? I think we could pray the words of the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11 together. So uh, do you have it there? I think you'll need this particular version over and, uh, open if you want to get every word right. So Luke chapter 11. And we'll just, we'll just read out the actual prayer starting with Father. How about um, we'll leave a little pause at the end of every line just so we can do it nice and slow. Let's pray together. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Amen.